and welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Show. I'm Tim Tompkins. I'm Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. And I am Dave King. And today on the show, we are going to recap <laughs> the game, the box score, the Suns versus the Clippers. We're going to recap the team stats, players of the game, fallen and fallen, Monty's rotations, where the race for the eighth currently is and where the Suns sit in the bubble as of the time of recording this episode. And of course, uh, we got to talk a little bit of TJ Warren. Um, let's go ahead and let's get right into it, Greg. Let's talk about this. I have to tell you this game, what I, what I was most worried about was, so I've been absent the last couple of episodes because I've had work and those sorts of things. I'm on the East coast. Work. Time hasn't really worked out, work. <laughs> but I've every single episode, you guys got to go up after a son's win, <laughs> you know? And I thought, I know, I know that the first time I get to jump on for one of these post game shows, that they're going to end up losing to the Clippers and the complete mood of the podcast is going to be different and everyone's going to blame that on me being here oh yeah you wouldn't be invited back if uh, they had lost today <laughs> devin well, armani booker this party started devin armani booker. oh my gosh the 117 115 win and honestly it looked like they were going to blow it i'm just i'm just going to no. be praying no 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 it did not oh, look like they were going to blow it in it that looked last like, minute and wait, half? wait wait no paul Kawhi Leonard looked like he was going to win it. Okay, it that's did not fair. look like that's the Suns fair. were going to blow it. The Suns made no bad plays at the end of that game. Kawhi Leonard just made better plays, and it just so happened that Devin Booker made the last and only necessary play. Actually, you know what? Right before, right before that last play, the Suns had to keep possession. Right, Mikel Bridges, I think, got was a big part of that last steal, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, they made the right plays at the right time. That's what mattered. Uh, they really did. I mean, they came up big. And let's be honest, that last shot was about as as cold-blooded, as big of a superstar shot as you're going to get. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard right there on Booker, does a spin and nails a jumper to win it at the buzzer. There yeah. is nothing, nothing better that you're going to see from Devin Booker. That was insane. And the feeling insane. you have right now... The feeling we all have right now should remind you a lot of what we felt in 2010 when this team made a complete surprise run in the playoffs. I'm going to say it, and I may have to eat my words later, but screw it. Phoenix Suns basketball is back. That is excitement, and that's what meaningful basketball means uh, and is. And it was it, it was insane to watch. I, I, there's not a better word to describe it than that it was it was pure joy to watch that uh from okay from this, wire is, to this, wire. Is a, this is a bit of a meaningless question but do you think the refs would have called the foul on paul george if that if that shot would have missed nope not a chance he fouled the hell out of him too not a chance you they wouldn't have called it it would have been overtime booker uh, Booker was just clutch there i and then uh, just just his reaction too was just like yep I made it. Like it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like he was even surprised. No, he said <laughs> after the game that he uh, that he hates. He doesn't like celebrations. If you ever watch him make big shots, he just walks away. He doesn't celebrate. But uh, he didn't have a choice because he was on the ground. So his teammates just piled on. <laughs> yeah, great, hey, Monty. Um, Jermaine uh, uh, yeah. commented that props to Monty for not calling a timeout. Monty said he really wanted to call a timeout. His nature was to call a timeout with that last shot. But then he said, no, I'm going to trust Devin. 
it was, it was the really right happy call. about that. Yeah. It, it was the right call. But if, if Devin would have missed it or it would have been like a no shot opportunity, if it would have fallen apart, it wouldn't have been the right call. Come on. Still would have still would have been the right call because <laughs> it kept the Clippers on their heels. It did not give them time to set up a defense well, or yeah. get to where they wanted or force a guy anywhere <clears throat> that they right needed to be. It works out. That, that's all I'm saying. I would have, I, I understand, but I would have been, I, I was a hundred percent with Monty if, with that. Even if they, Devin had missed that shot, it's the right thing. Because if you give the Clippers a chance to set up their defense, force the ball into somebody else's hands, I, you know, you got the ball in the hands of the guy you want to take in that final shot. And I don't care if he was double teamed, you wanted Devin Booker taking that shot. And that was the exact reason why he did you not want Devin Booker on that shot. You need you Devin Booker on that shot <laughs> <laughs> well look too i mean it was not was the game uh, danger it was in grave danger grave danger grave danger yeah <laughs> look it, most guys panic in that situation when he can't get that first the first look that he wanted up uh, and most guys don't spin or have a chance uh to make it when you spin like that devin booker was big time uh and he definitely lived up to the be legendary uh statement that kobe gave him uh, or said last trip to phoenix so unbelievable we the national stage better or the national media better be taking uh notes on what they're seeing from devin booker here because we called it we said it when we heard they were in and that they were going to be playing eight meaningful games was this is where devin booker's coming out party is and and we're seeing it right here tonight was uh or today was was the first big step in that you're going to see that play a lot on sports center tonight yeah, VS in the chat says uh, best game of the season, right? Oh, easily. Oh, yeah, easily. But easily. until next game when they win, and then it's this. That's the next best game because they have to basically win all these to to have a legit shot to force that play in. So the next win will be the best win uh, too. But as of right now, hell of a game, hell of a win, and that was a, a, a that was the best we've seen in a long time around here. Hey, we have a couple new uh, flaming ballers right now. Morton, as well as I got Mun <laughs> Munson. <laughs> uh, he says Booker's reaction after the shot, cold-blooded. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hands down. I mean, <laughs> just laying there, not moving, just looking. Yeah, that was uh, – uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any more baller than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's the kind of reaction that – uh, is is Jordan asked for the Jordan first time really in years? I'm back to my. I don't know what Dave's trying to say. I don't know if his internet's stalling or what. But uh, no, we're good. Let's uh, let's run. Well, over now I'm stopping. Just... I'm not going to interrupt you anymore. So, <laughs> hey, just uh, Greg never uh, stops talking. Let's let's go over the box score just a bit. Uh, leading scores for the Phoenix Suns: Seven Booker, thirty-five points on fifty-two percent shooting. Aiton did have his bounce-back game. I know everyone really wanted that. Eighteen points on fifty percent shooting. Ricky Rubio chimed in, uh, fifth, uh, eighteen points as well, fifty percent shooting. Dario Sharitz had a really strong um, end of the game for him. Uh, that uh, stretch down the fourth was really impactful, 44%, 13 points. And um, worth noting, um, off the off the bench, campaign with uh, 12 points on 56% shooting, um, really solid. Over for the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George led the team with 27 points and 23 points, respectively. And, of course, Zubak somehow had 18 points in the game. Hey, you forgot. We got a name for this segment, and we gotta we gotta have fun with this name because I haven't brought in a graphic for this bad boy. All right, we've got 
what's in the box, right? It's, it's time for what's in the box. We got to talk about the box score and everything that is inside this beautiful box score. What's when you in can, the box? Whenever you can use a great gif like that, you got to use it in the show. So Sam, let's talk about the uh, best on-off numbers for the Suns. Um, Ricky Rubio was a negative 10 on the court. Campaign was a positive 14. Was that something you saw reflected in the flow of the game itself? I'm surprised Ricky Rubio was a negative 10 because that dude was dealing all game long. I thought he was really, really good. Um, he may not, he, he also had to go against the Clippers' best players, but um, definitely I thought Ricky Rubio was better than a minus 10. Campaign being a plus 14, he played against other the other second unit, you know? So, and basically what that meant for the Clippers who played one of Paul George or um, Kawhi Leonard the entire game. Uh, was basically just when there was only one of them out there, campaign got in. So uh, Cam had a great, great, great game tonight. Uh, I want to keep campaign around for the rest of our lives. Um, so I think, <laughs> I think that's just uh, that's just pretty fun uh, watching him actually really succeed. He has said only the right things since he showed up. He is totally humble. He's like basically Monty Williams' muse on the court as far as uh, just humility and, and just wanting to do the right thing. He's playing defense like crazy when he's out there. He got a really good steal at one, at least one good, really steal, really good steal out there in the game. Um, and it was just, it was just fun to watch. I mean, he had some really nice dump offs right around the basket too. when he was driving in, dumping it off to a big for the finish. I thought, um, I thought Cam was, was really fun to watch. I, the, the Ricky Rubio thing is really deceiving because he, again, made those plays that kept this team calm even when uh when the clippers would make uh, make a run he had that brilliant four point play i mean i i was impressed with what he was able to bring uh, to the court tonight but then again most nights i am with ricky because he's just a consummate professional and i love that his jersey now says justice rubio as if uh he is a, a supreme court justice because he certainly was a uh, was ruling the court there uh for sure so I was uh, I was very impressed with what uh, what Ricky Rubio was capable of of doing uh, tonight, and, I, and that I think campaign that, was amazing too. I think the the Rubio thing is because he was playing those into uh, the quarter non Booker minutes um, with Aiton out there. Yeah, probably. Uh, Buck Dog, uh, one of our flaming ballers in the chat, says Ricky threw some uh, crap to Aiton. Though to be fair, okay. But it, when we've seen some of the G leaguers also trying to throw passes in the uh, in the post to Aiton, I'm a little forgiving when Ricky has a few <laughs> that don't look great. But yeah, campaign too uh, has looked really good. Uh, as that backup point guard, he's he's solidified that position. I think it's a big reason why the second unit hasn't. Uh, cost them games in these first three. I mean, that's really what you need the second unit to do is not cost you games. Uh, and that's part of part of what I wanted to talk about as well was really, do you think that, that Cam has solidified himself as a backup point guard? If you look at the, the minutes distribution tonight, um, the only other backup point guard to play was a, a, a show favorite, fan favorite of ours. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he only got 10 minutes this game, Javon Carter. You know, yeah. um, and that's that's a pretty big comparison to to where the Suns had been with as far as like minutes per game. Yeah, I think I think it's certainly uh, it, that's kind of what we're looking at in terms of 
the rotation is going to be campaign with Javon Carter coming in as that kind of that third guard to play, uh, play defense. I mean, that's, he's in there to play defense uh, and bring energy. And that's what Javon Carter does best. Had some huge plays in that Dallas game that helped them hold it down the stretch. And I think uh, he, he played solid again tonight, but that's your backup point guard rotation right now. I'm hesitant to even bring Baines into this into this group because they've clicked, they're gelled, they're gelling right now. Oh, no. and something special's happening. Oh no 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 no! Don't don't go down there. We <laughs> look, we can use an an upgrade over Frank. Frank himself will tell you he's not playing very well right now. So if we can get Aaron Baines in there for some minutes and take a little bit of. Uh, Frank's time away. That that might be good. Frank actually made a three in this game. I might have yelled louder at Frank's made three than I did at Devin's made jumper at at, at the buzzer. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but I really uh, I I really could could use a little Aaron Baines. Yeah, I think I scared the crap out of my three year old when I uh, screamed at Devin's. Uh, oh at my Devin's. god. She's not I really might have used scared to my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really used to me getting excited about Arizona sports. There hasn't been a lot of opportunity since she's been born uh, in the last three years for that to happen. But tonight, uh, this afternoon was certainly one of those one of those moments that uh, Daddy yelled a little bit. All right. All right. So let's Daddy talk about team stats. <laughs> let's talk about okay. uh, Daddy yells. Team stats <laughs> a little bit. The Clippers did out rebound the Suns, forty eight to forty four. Uh, Suns did out assist the Clippers 25 to 21. Suns had five seals compared to the Clippers two. Suns had zero blocks compared to the Clippers three. Two fewer turn- turnovers at eight compared to two. As far as field goal percentage goes, uh, Suns shot, Suns shot, excuse me, uh, 46.9% compared to the Clippers at 49.4. Uh, Suns shot their three pointers <laughs> were a 53% uh, from the field tonight, 17 of 32, below average uh, at the free throw line, only 71%, which is a bit of a low point, uh, specifically for the Suns, who are the best free throw shooting team in the league. Uh, I think, but to shoot 53% from three on 32 attempts, I mean, it is, it's hard to lose a game when you're shooting that well from behind the arc. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny. Okay. Go ahead, Greg. I was just to say, yeah, especially when, when your opponents aren't, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, a given that a recipe for success. If you can shoot the three well and your opponent struggles in that, you're going to wind up having a result like we saw tonight. Lucas Hahn, who used to run the SB Nation, uh, Clips Nation that had been around forever until that change in law in California had um, basically Vox Media shut down all those uh, blogs that come out of California. So now he runs at uh, 213hoops.com. Anyway, he uh, he messaged me that the Suns are, even this season, through, the, through this season, they were over 500 when they shoot even just 33% from, from three-point land. They were 500 team. So uh, it's really important that the Suns make their threes. And it really helps having Cam and Mikel Bridges both able to drain from outside. Cam had a, you know what? <laughs> I'll give Cam a break today. He did make one of his five threes, uh, but he got seven rebounds, two assists, and a steal. And he had to basically be the other guy besides Mikel, who was defending Paul George and Kawhi Leonard uh, most of this game. So I give him a ton of credit uh, for staying in the game plan, not losing his head. And uh, it's okay that he didn't score a ton of points for the Suns. But having those guys as threats on offense is huge for the Suns spacing needs. Um, Now, Aiden did have a pretty good game, but he also had a pretty bad game. He felt like the moment was a little big for him. 
it seemed like the moment was a little big for DeAndre Aiden. He he didn't catch the ball cleanly on on uh, players diving to the hoop and, and or passing it to him. He didn't separate himself. He certainly didn't try a whole lot of physicality. So uh, it's obviously a learning opportunity for Aiden, and one of these times he is going to break out. I love I love that this was a bad game from DeAndre Ayton. 19 points, seven rebounds, four assists, hit a three yeah. to keep the defense honest. Like he still was heavily yeah. involved in sure. in the win and building that lead. And it's still to your point, Dave, wasn't anything spectacular from what we expect and what we know this guy can do, but still came up uh, in a big way there. Uh, but I mean, the story, the story of the night is Devin Booker, 35 points uh, on the night was, uh, was huge. I mean, and, uh, and those buckets down the stretch too. Uh, and it, just overall, Devin Booker was just spectacular from, uh, from what we saw and a stat stuffer yet again. Hey, it, it, are, is anyone else as surprised as me that Ryan McDonough has reemerged from the depths of hell to be a Twitter troll and his, all of his tweets are about TJ and Devin book, Devin Booker, but he, he conveniently forgets to mention all the other dudes he took in the top five. But okay. Don't you do that on your resume too, Dave? Do you put the things that you can do? I don't think there's a section on Dave King's resume that says screwed up at the nursing home and XYZ died. Like yeah, but, you don't have that on your resume. You say, Hey, I run this nursing but shouldn't home. Shouldn't he be a little above that? I mean, obviously no. he's giving up on just <laughs> let's be honest. This is the guy having been around this guy, and this is a tangent, and I don't know why we're doing this now during one of the biggest wins we've seen in Suns history, but uh, in Suns recent history, not history, recent history, uh, but we'll go there anyways. Ryan McDonough has always had a great sense of humor. Nobody knew that, though, because they didn't get, they didn't actually get to see it. Ryan has always been a very funny, self-deprecating guy, yeah. and he's he's basically trying to make fun of himself. So I'm fine with it. Welcome to Suns Twitter, uh, McD at McDMBA, who he can have MBA in his name, unlike other people on Twitter. Hint, hint. Uh, but hey, you know, I welcome to welcome to MBA Twitter. It's it's fun to have you around. <laughs> yeah, so. Exactly. All right, so let's talk. Uh, the Suns did win the first two quarters of the game. They ended up uh, losing the last two. Do you feel like they let off the gas a little bit in that in that second half? I think the Clippers just stepped up on their own gas. Uh, in the third quarter, they came out clear. Okay, so the first half, the Clippers took a bunch of jump shots, and they rarely drove to the rim. In the second half, Paul George decided it was going to be his bowling ball effort to, to be basically Luka Doncic in this game and drive and, and draw all the fouls. And then Kawhi did a lot of drives in the fourth quarter. So I think that's what happened is the, is the Clippers, what was really fun is that it looked like the Clippers were really actually, okay, now we got to go ahead and win this thing. And they still didn't win. So I think the Suns held their composure. They could have fallen apart a couple of different times when the Clippers got back into the game and got the game tied or within two points, or they might have even taken the lead by a point at one point. But the Suns never lost their composure the whole time. They just stayed with it. And I think that's a big testament to Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio and Monty Williams and the guys they brought in this offseason. Those guys did not panic. And I thought that was really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, the Clippers, I think in the second half, they just decided they were going to play as hard as possible and they weren't going to jack up a ton of threes. Um, I want to look back at that. Well, they also I don't weren't think hitting they their took threes. A bunch. They weren't hitting their threes, but they didn't keep trying. 
either. So uh, they just started driving to the hoop, and, and to their credit, they ended up with 27 free throws to so the Suns' 14. Um, but that was that was definitely the Clippers were trying to win that game. They weren't exactly sure how to beat the Suns because the Suns were always beatable. And so they weren't sure why they were behind the whole time, I think. So um, I, I, that was that was pretty good. Go ahead. Cer- certainly, it was not the Suns uh, letting up in the second half. That's what happens when you play one of the top teams in the Western Conference. I mean, if everybody's saying it's them or the or the Lakers who are the likely uh, mm-hmm. finals representative from the West. So that second half is what good teams and what great teams uh, do is they come back, they fight back. I think what happened was the Clippers took the Suns too lightly in that first half. The Suns played near-perfect basketball to bring up that lead, and then the Suns were able to match the Clippers' energy down the stretch, and that's a huge step for this team because they now know they can go toe-to-toe with the big boys. Like, Mavericks, okay, that was a nice comeback win, but the Mavs are are hit or miss. They're not, the, they're not an elite team in the West. They have nice pieces, but they're, they're not great. The Clippers are up on that pedestal with the Lakers, and the Suns just said, not only to themselves, but to the NBA world, we can compete with this. This schedule is not too daunting for us, and and that's huge because we have not seen that in meaningful basketball. We saw it at the beginning of the year, uh, but we have not seen this in meaningful basketball in about a decade, so it's nice to see it now. Dude, the the Clippers have so many big wings. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is stupid. It's so every, Williams is drooling. <laughs> uh, everything horror in the YouTube chat right now. Um, he says that Gambo said that they're looking to keep Dario Saric and keeping Kelly around. Okay. I mean, that makes mm. sense. We've talked about it. Uh, I don't remember if it was with you here or not, Tim, but I think the shortened off season uh, and, and free agency period that's coming up actually benefits the Suns as well as the lesser cap number, because that means there's not going to be as much money out there on the market for Dario. So he may take a more team friendly, maybe one year deal to come back and be that sixth man with this team the following uh, offseason when the cap is expected if uh, if they can recoup earnings next year uh, to increase. So hopefully hopefully they can get him on a favorable deal. And Kelly's a toss-up. I think if the right deal comes along, they'll look at moving him. But we got meaningful basketball. We don't have to worry about the offseason right now. Right. Let's let's just focus on the here and now. I know that I know it's really fun to talk about the offseason and I appreciate you guys always asking those questions in the chat. But really, I, I think we should just this is the first time in many years that we've been able to enjoy today and not worry about tomorrow. So right. let's just enjoy today. So speaking of enjoying today, what I really enjoyed watching was Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers trying to do everything they could to get Mikel Bridges off of them at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, they did so many switches and picks and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, and Mikel Bridges is such a good defender that everybody just gets frustrated um, playing against him. Exactly. And, and and they did that with Luca last game too, as well. So, you know, shout out to Mikel Bridges for being the dude that the other teams get out of their own offense to, to switch, get switches for. And you know what? Big, again, big shout out to Cam Johnson for not embarrassing us uh, defensively because Cam was usually the one who ended up 
on Kawhi or Paul George or whoever it was that needed to um, after the switch. And, and Cam did a respectable job. You can't stop those guys. Kawhi Leonard is an MVP level guy. Paul George was in the MVP conversation just a couple of years ago. You can't just stop those guys. All you can do is hope they don't beat you in the end of the game. So I just thought that was really fun. On let me ask you is this on a level of uh, one to oops, I just crapped my pants. How scared were you when Devin Booker went down uh, uh, when he hit knees with Zubak? Oh. That was the moment where <laughs> I had complete and utter panic and went, here we go. Finally, Arizona sports is showing up. This is this is what we expect. The Jenner, uh, Jenner Kardashian curse is real is, is what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I was worried about that too. <laughs> but uh, he did walk um, pretty quickly off to the side without a limp. So um, it's one of those, it's got to be one of those shockers where you're just like, ah, all of a sudden I can't feel anything. I get that with ankles all the time. And then a minute later, I'm fine. So yeah, no, I was, I was, uh, I was worried there, but I don't think I've yelled louder than I did when Booker made that buzzer beater today than I have in a long, oh my God. long I scared, I scared time. my dog, man. I scared my dog. <laughs> <laughs> It was, and it's also a new weight loss regimen too, because I used to lose weight. I get so nervous during Suns games during the Nash years. I finally got so nervous. My palms were sweating. My feet were sweating. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was as, so fun. As I said, daddy's got to yell. This is basically what I had to say to my three-year-old. I, I just, it out was, of context, that's a, a worry. Exactly. Yeah, but I was just like, that's a visceral reaction. It just happens when something that exciting comes Daddy, apart. Daddy's got to yell. <laughs> Daddy's got to yell. That's my new uh, my new uh, marketing uh, tagline. Uh, but uh, look, uh, Coda Kid in, in the chat wants to know: Is this the best butters buzzer beater we've seen? Probably not. I mean, there was that the shot heard around yeah. the world in the 1976 NBA <laughs> Finals. You got to go 50 you know, years. But, you know, there there was the Chapman one legger, but uh, I you know which was a playoff game, and uh, that, but that was only to tie it. And yeah, they ended up losing that game. True, they lost the yeah. they lost the core herd shot too. So big, uh, big game winner. I still technically it wasn't a game winner, but Barkley over Robinson to move to the Western Conference Finals. I think he hit that with one point seven left on the so clock. It's, it's quite possible we're just drunk with the with the uh, energy <laughs> right now, thinking a regular season game buzzer beater is almost as good as a uh, you know these great shots in the finals. I think Barkley over Robinson in that. And that was maybe a little bigger. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Tim, Tim Thomas, Thomas, Western conference finals. Heck yeah. That was the best. Marbury um, in 2003 against the Spurs. Oh, God, uh, was yeah. a great one yep. too. Mm-hmm. There, there yeah, are some big look, ones. <laughs> these don't feel like regular season games though. That's the thing. They don't, because, they feel like playoff games, yeah. pre-playoffs. Yeah. I mean, because they basically have yeah. to be for the Suns, and we had such a long, uh, such a long gap since uh, the actual regular season because of uh, coronavirus that this just feels like the playoffs now. This is just that exciting. So, uh, yeah. Well, actually, sorry, Tim Thomas was the uh, first, first round, round of the playoffs, against- but it still feels like something incredibly big. Yeah. Raja Bell tying it up in the second round against the Clippers, also sending it to overtime for the Suns' win in that necessary game five was huge too. So yeah, there were, there's some big then, but not recently there have not recently, although Devin Booker has made a half a dozen butter buzzer beaters before they haven't been in meaningful games like this. Cause he hasn't had a chance. Tyler, you versus the Celtics. No, 
Ouch. <laughs> little tie. I remember that. I little remember tie that. tie. All right, let's uh, guys, let's get, let's get back to the game. Um, so Monty nine man rotation tonight. Uh, he's like been he's, going with that. Yeah. So no Ellie, no Javon, or uh, excuse me, no Ellie, no Ty Jerome, uh, no Shaq Diallo, obviously, no Aaron Baines, no Kelly Oubre Jr. Do you think that we have what's what's the the likelihood that we're going to see a Baines or Ubre appearance. I know that we had talked about if the Suns start this off hot, there's a better chance that we'll see Kelly Ubre play. Uh there's some debate about, you know, Aaron Baines, but what are your what's your guys' take now that they are three and zero officially and the hottest team in the bubble, which hopefully the NBA will have them better than uh 19th best. I think it I think it'll be more likely we see Baines and maybe even next game than we see Ubre in in any of these eight games. To be to be honest with you, mm-hmm. I just it, I mean everything we hear is Ubre. This is a mental thing that that's what's going on with him and why uh, you know why he's not playing. And I just don't know that you're going to overcome mental hurdles uh, in this kind of an environment and with what's going on, if, if he really is that concerned about re-hurting himself, I just don't think we're going to see him here unless the Suns shock the world. They make it into a first round series against the Lakers. Then maybe, uh, Kelly, Kelly finds a way to overcome that hurdle, but I don't see it in these eight games to be frank. Yeah, no, um, Aaron Baines is only issue is conditioning and he's got to get to the point where, um, Everyone feels like he's ready to play in a game. Uh, so it's not a problem with him. Kelly, he said he has said several times it's both mentally and physical. Um, he's got a dollar sign in his in his uh, Twitter name now and his Instagram name. So I don't know what, what that's about. There might be some weird shit going on. But um, I will say that Devin went out of it, didn't go out of his way. But he mentioned Kelly as one of the loudest uh, yellers and cheerers on the sidelines during these games. Uh, he, he said it right today after that buzzer beater and, and doing his post game that he, uh, that Kelly was one of the loudest guys there all game long. And so Kelly is still a big part of this team. They still really believe in him. He's just not playing right now. So if he does come in and play, that'll be like icing on the cake, but right now he's not playing and it's okay. Aaron Baines, hopefully he'll play again soon, but that's okay too. I'm good with the guys they've got. And Tim, you first asked if this is a nine-man rotation to stay. Yeah, I think it probably is. Um, I think if Aaron Baines plays, probably Frank doesn't because Monty knows what he wants from his starting unit. He knows what he wants from his rotation. He's he's comfortably uh, settling into we need to win games. Now, if the Suns get eliminated, which at this point I think is pretty unlikely, um, I think the Suns will play hard all eight games now because – um, they're up there at three and oh, and they're within a game or so of ninth place. So I think, uh, the Suns are going to play hard the whole time. And I think it's a tight rotation. <laughs> Buck dog in the chat, man. I, I want to know what you want his, what you want his mask to say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I want one that's got a digital display so you can change what it says based on his mood and what's going on. I'm surprised they haven't come up with those yet. I'm yeah. sure it's coming. I mean, what? Like, uh, like, like Ennis Cantor. Just an LED LED panel that can run through whatever he types into his phone. All the different messages. Oh yeah, type it into the phone. Exactly. I I don't think there's any doubt that that Kelly is a great influence on the benches and is is a great teammate in that way. I don't think there's ever been question about what Kelly Oubre brings uh, on that front. And I don't think if this really is a a mental hangup that's keeping him out, that it has to do with 
any ill will or anything like that. I think the guy could legitimately be afraid to try to ramp it back up after an injury like he had in surgery uh, in, in such a short period of time after a weird rehab. Like I get it. You know, a guy's concerned about his future. So I, I don't hold it against Kelly and I'm glad he's there cheering these guys on uh, in that way. I think that's, uh, I think that's important because he can be that moral support. But if we're talking about somebody that could potentially have an impact in the rotation, it's probably Baines. And I think the only way we see more than nine guys is if there is foul trouble with a DeAndre Ayton or a Sarich and you're forced to play Kaminsky and Baines uh, more minutes than you'd probably like in this situation. That's the only way I see this rotation really expanding. I think Dave's probably right. If Baines is ready, you're going to see Kaminsky drop out and Baines take his minutes there. Um, Greg, do me a favor or Dave, whichever one wants to take this, go ahead and talk about the flaming ballers, a fifth private Facebook oh. group we started, and I'm going to put a link in there for everybody that into the chat over here for everybody that is a flaming baller so they can request to join. Yeah. Uh, so our flaming ballers, right? Those are everybody in the chat that you see little flaming ball logo. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, anybody that's joined there or anybody that supports us via anchor or podcast stream, we've got a new Facebook group that's starting up uh, obviously on Facebook. It wouldn't be a Facebook group if it were anywhere else, but it's going to be private just for you guys. Uh, we can run some AMA podcasts where you guys will ask us questions and only you will get to ask them there. We'll record a podcast. Uh, answering those questions. We can do those kind of things. Lots of opportunity in this group. Tim's going to put it in the chat. So if you are a member, uh, you can request to join there. We'll confirm that you are uh, a, a member of the Flaming Ballers, and then we'll uh, we'll get you in the group. And uh, Buck Dog says Espo needs to go into merchandise. Well, I think I'm going to yeah. try to start with some uh, Flaming Ballers merchandise. We'll get you guys uh, some, some gear that maybe you can I think that's awesome. To, as long as you just it. go with one M. When you do the yes. flaming ballers, In, instead of flaming uh, ballers, <laughs> flaming, it's Yao's brother. <laughs> so, to, to that note, also, if you are a supporter of the podcast, like Greg was saying, saying through Anchor, uh, we will have that in the show notes below as well. Um, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. Just you know, a couple of minutes. We're coming up on a half hour in the show here. A couple more segments left to do. Uh, Greg, um, before we get into TJ Warren, though, you had a tweet of the game. I do have a tweet of the game, and now I have to. I'll share. I'll actually show you guys what this tweet of the game is, and it's really a simple tweet here. Uh, and I think it just sums up what we saw there in the final minutes. It's just Devin Booker laying there after the final mm. shot, cool as can be, <laughs> with be legendary. So I just thought if anything encapsulated those those final minutes. It's this tweet, and uh, that's that is absolutely uh, it's, perfect. It's it's like a piece of art. Like uh, the that's Suns can hang, yeah. hang this in in Talking Stick Resort Arena after the renovations are done, and I would look. I at want it that like as a poster a, in my. I want someone to. Okay, I uh, I want someone to draw that. Like you guys can see behind me, I've got a, I've got an MJ and Charles drawing. Um, that that buddy of mine who do, who does these, who makes these drawings, you got to make a Devin Booker one. Got to do it, man. This is awesome. I think just a yeah a drawing like that on a shirt would mm -hmm. uh, fly off the uh, fly off the stands. And like I said, uh, 
merchandise. I'm going to get into that. So uh, that'll be one of the things we'll do here. But I thought that was a perfect tweet. Uh, we'll get into some sun's burns in another uh, episode where we actually kind of rip on people from Twitter. But I thought we had to recognize somebody on Twitter for just a picture perfect, beautiful tweet because Devin Booker definitely uh, is living up to that B legendary moniker. Um, you know what? And it, we were, I wanted to talk about TJ Warren a little bit. I wanted to talk about him earlier today. I kind of feel like, you know what? The Suns just won. Let's skip this for like an episode where the Suns don't win a game because it, eventually it's going to happen. You guys want to talk about where the Suns are in terms of the standings and that race for the eighth slash ninth seed for that uh, playing game. Yeah, I can actually pull up the standings here. If uh, Dave, you want to start talking about it, I'll yeah. Well, on. we can talk about it. we can definitely talk about our next game. So the Suns play the Pacers on Thursday. Uh, they go against uh, T.J. Booker and company. Uh, T.J. Booker, listen to me. <laughs> T.J. Warren and company. He's scoring like he's Devin yeah. Booker. Right he's now. Tony Buckets. Uh, Devin had some really positive things to say about him. He was asked about T.J. Warren in in the post game as well today. Um, look, Tony. TJ has always scored well. And you know what? Um, Mike Vigil of the Timeline podcast and and uh, Reddit and Twitter fame and all that, Mike Vigil made a really good observation that it looks like the, the bubble may be the perfect environment for Tony Warren Jr., for TJ Warren, for Tony Buckets. Uh, um, because... TJ was always, always never liked the media, never really, never liked the limelight, never liked attention. Uh, when, he, when he says, you know, location, it just goes in a gym. Well, that doesn't mean he's playing against with uh, 18,000 fans in the arena. Um, he really feels more comfortable when it's just him playing basketball. And the bubble might be the perfect, perfect situation for him. So the Suns' next game is against the Pacers. TJ has scored um, uh, 50 three and 34 points in those two games. Uh, TJ is basically the same guy offensively that we remember, except from his final season when he was making threes. Um, he has really expanded on that. He's not taking necessarily more threes now than he used to, although in the bubble, he seems to be taking a bunch. Um, Cause he only averaged three a game in uh, the regular season until uh, they, they restarted in the bubble. And then he made nine on Saturday. Um, TJ is really awesome. Offensively, he scores when you don't think he's going to score. Um, and uh, defensively, he's really stepped it up for the Pacers. So I'm excited to watch TJ uh, because that'll be like the best actualization of TJ Warren we always wanted. And I'd like to see how it goes uh, against the Pacers. But I, uh, while the Pacers are a really good team and they play with heart too and they play strong and they, they play effective, they do not have DeMontis Sabonis. Um, in the, uh, he's got plantar fasciitis and so he's out. Uh, and, uh, but they do have a really good team around him and they are also, I think three, and know, or two, and know, at least if not three, you know, two, and oh, okay. Right so, All right. So they're, go. they're going to do real well. Um, and that's going to be a tough game to win. The Suns um, hopefully won't have a mental letdown. And it does look like Oladipo will play in that game he played in the last one. So that, uh, that's big yeah, Oladipo for- is not a hundred percent. I did a podcast with their, uh, Shoot, IndyCornrows.com, their uh, their podcast guy, and um, and Oladipo is playing pretty well. He's not playing his old self yet. Not playing like his old self yet. Uh, but every game is getting better and better. Yeah, which I mean, it would be nice if you got lucky enough to not see Oladipo in there uh, for the Suns. But you know, it, 
they just beat the Clippers at full strength. So I guess uh, you take them as they come. TJ Warren, look, we all knew that TJ Warren was capable of scoring. I mean, that's why he was scoring mm-hmm. Warren and TJ Warren. Bucket. There's another and, one. Yes. You know, there, there was just, there's never been a doubt that TJ Warren can score the basketball. I think this was a win-win for both teams. And yes, I made a lot of cash consideration jokes on Twitter because it's funny. It's fun to to joke around that they got TJ Warren, but I, I don't remember who it was. I, I think it was somebody on Twitter brought up the fact that I don't think it's the Suns that necessarily look bad. I think it's the fact that 28 other GMs didn't make a better offer than cash considerations for TJ Warren because it was basically a, a – a, a given that TJ Warren was going to get moved too many wings on this team, uh, younger guys with more potential behind him that, that needed opportunity and McHale and cam and then Ubre's uh, emergence last year. And, and with this team uh, as well, a lot of, a lot of reasons that it just, you were going to move on from TJ Warren. It was a win-win. They cleared space for their guys. They got the money to sign Ricky Rubio uh, in the offseason that they needed. It cleared the cap space, not necessarily that the cash considerations went to that, uh, but uh, it cleared the cap space to bring Ricky Rubio in. So I think it worked out the best for everybody, and TJ Warren's in a situation that he can blossom because they needed him to, to step up with, with Oladipo, not playing at full strength. Uh, they needed a guy who can score, and the Suns just had a lot of guys that can score. They needed better defense, better rebounding, the little things that he can do. What I did find interesting was T.J. Warren in his 53-point game hit more three-pointers than he did in his entire rookie season with the Suns. So you can see an evolution in T.J.'s game, and they're going to have to play good defense on him uh, in Thursday's game if they want to try to contain him uh, where they don't have him drop 40 or 50 on them and put them in a situation where they have to fight that much harder to get a win against Indiana. Well, I feel like the Suns are in pretty good position though. Um, But again, look, Indiana is a tough team and the Suns could easily lose that game if they're not focused. But um, TJ Warren is not Kawhi Leonard or Paul George for as good as he is. He's not those guys. And Mikel Bridges is in pretty good shape to, uh, to defend him because that's what they'll do. They'll, they'll set him on that. And look, um, the Suns ended up pretty pretty good out of the summer, and that's the most important thing. Off of the 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 thing is, James Jones did not put all those deals into one to make it look like an overall deal. He sold off T.J. Warren, he sold off Josh Jackson, and um, uh, swapped Anthony Melton for Javon Carter. That was a swap, uh, but basically he sold those guys off. He sold off a couple of second round draft picks, which didn't really matter on the salary cap, but. Um, to do those deals so that he could make the room for Ricky Rubio. And anybody who thinks Ricky Rubio wasn't worth it um, isn't really paying enough attention. I think Ricky Rubio is definitely worth getting him for uh, for basically the combination of TJ Warren and Josh Jackson. And then bringing in Cam Johnson and Dario Saric as your forwards instead. I think, I think uh, the Suns won the whole thing. But yes, if you look at individual transactions, if you're going to be that guy, then yeah, the Suns lost that TJ Warren transaction for sure. 
Right. Uh, we, well, let's uh, let's let's talk about what's coming up. All right, like how far the Suns, what how they're looking in the standings. Right. Um, I do think it's funny when we get down to this this bottom team uh, right here. So the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, thirty two and thirty six, holding that eighth seed. Uh, Portland Trail Blazers, thirty and thirty eight. San Antonio Spurs, twenty nine and thirty seven. The Pelicans are twenty nine and thirty eight. The Suns are a half game back of them at twenty nine and thirty nine, and they are a half game up of the Sacramento. Sacramento Kings, who are 28 and 39, which honestly I find kind of amazing that the Suns had to win three straight games and the Kings had to lose three straight games for the Suns to be up a half game out of that final spot. I look, mean, it is what it is. Okay, Aspo, you can go first again. Go ahead. I was I was just gonna say, if you look at this, the thing that yeah, okay, so they're bunched up with the Kings and everybody here, but they're a game back of being in ninth. They're a game back of being where they need to be to force a play-in game. They're only three back of Memphis. I mean, sure, the Kings are the Kings are still within shouting distance of them, and they had to win three to hop them. But they've also gained ground everywhere else they needed to, and nobody thought this was possible. If I if I had told you, you know, going into Game Four, you're only a game back of the ninth seed. You would have probably said, "Yeah, uh, sure. That's that's just not going to happen." The way all this math works. Well, guess what? They're beating the odds here in in every way. Uh, not only starting three and zero, but what's happened in front of them to create an even bigger logjam. I mean, one game back of being in that ninth seed and and sitting in a position to force a playing game is mind-boggling when you consider what we were talking about just a handful of weeks ago when all of this bubble talk started and it was why are the suns even invited to this well now you know why the suns were invited to this because they can make some noise so what we well, need is the blazers a... to lose some games really yeah dave go ahead okay um so... <laughs> So Monty's been talking about it the whole time. They are here one to play serious. They're not here just to come and have fun. Like everybody says, you got nothing to lose. Every single post game, either Monty or one of the players gets asked by a national guy who happens to be on site, either an athletic person or an ESPN person. So are you guys just happy to get some wins and play some games? And 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 like uh, they get shut down every time. And today, Devin Booker got asked after hitting the game winner. The Suns going three and zero playing really strong against these guys. He still got asked by a guy from the athletic. Are you guys just happy to be here? You got nothing to lose, right? Is it fun playing with nothing to lose? And it's like, and Devin immediately just turned to him and said, cause he was on site there. So he turned and he's like, people say we got nothing to lose, but we don't think about it like that. We have games to lose and we have games to win. And that's why we're here. I thought that was a pretty Love damn it. good response. And then he also said uh, uh, about the upcoming schedule. Sorry, Greg, uh, let me just finish up real quick. Uh, these are the top teams in the NBA. The schedule's really hard. It's really hard for a reason. We're taking them one game at a time, and we're trying to collect the most wins that we can. I think that is exactly the right attitude. Agreed, and I think that comes directly from Monty Williams. I don't think he would ever let these guys be in a mindset of, you know, we have nothing to lose because then that means a lot of people, when they have that kind of mindset, feel like they have nothing to really gain either because, well, whatever, we're just here to mm. – to have fun, uh, you know, we're here to here to try to just play play some ball. Well, I think Monty's made it clear 
you have a lot to lose here. You you have a lot to lose in terms of how people view you within the league, and you can gain a lot yep. in that too. And I think if Devin Booker gets asked that question again, he should lay on the on the interview table and just give the look he hit after the game winner. Basically, <laughs> screw you. Uh, I'm I'm just too good to deal with this crap kind of look. So. I think, I think it's incredible the Suns. Uh, they're about to hit 30 wins on this season. I know you guys talked about it a bit on the last episode, but the fact that they're about to hit 30 wins on a shortened season, no matter what happens, uh, this was an absolute success. And to your point earlier, Dave, about Monty Williams, I was thinking of Igor. And I don't think Igor, uh, for as good as he was, um, even if we kind of felt like it was unfair to blame the the loss of uh, last season on him, um, I don't think that he could have done this if they would have stayed with Igor heading into the season. I just think Monty has the perfect attitude for these guys. Now, is Monty going to be a guy you want um, when you're a finals contender? Contender, We don't know. Uh, but he's certainly the perfect guy to get you over that hump of being a pretender to a playoff, you know, contender contender. So he's got the perfect attitude. Look, every, every day is a new day. Every game is a new game. Uh, Monty even commented. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, he was already, he was already, that's the mentality. Oh yeah. It's an amazing feeling yet. I'm already turning the page. That's the mentality we have to have. He's already thinking about Indiana. He's like, those guys are having fun in the locker room, but I'm already thinking about the next game because we're playing these one game at a time. Did you, speaking of celebrating in the locker room, did you see the uh, reaction from the Sun players? Booker had stayed out to do what I assume was probably the NBA TV post-game interview Fox and Sports. Or was it Fox sports, Arizona? I was, I was prepping for the broadcast. So I, yeah, didn't, yeah. Hear stream, so I didn't see anything. Uh, so it, when he walks in the door and I'm gonna see if I can pull, pull up the video. When he walked in the door, the, the, uh, the team is sitting there waiting for him and they just start shake dumping water bottles on him. Like they're oh, freaking I didn't out. See like that. That. That's awesome. Like it's amazing. And uh, that it was a, uh, Fantastic. I love the camaraderie of this team. These guys love playing with each other right now. They love playing as a team. And I think that speaks volumes to what Monty Williams has done in terms of culture change. And a lot we've heard lip service about culture change for years around here, right? Monty yeah. Williams from from an inside the team perspective has changed that culture. I won't speak to the rest of the organization. Uh, we've all talked about I, you know, we've talked about in the past what we think that uh, that may or yeah. may not be. But from a team perspective, together as a group, they're cohesive. Yeah. They believe in each other. They want to uh, to be there for each other. Yeah. And, I, and I just I love I love that right now. The book Booker's quote um, after getting mobbed by the guys after making that game winner. And, and Greg, you posted that tweet. Um, yeah, his quote is, I'm not a big celebration guy, but they caught me on the ground. So I couldn't get away from them. <laughs> the energy these guys bring. It's fun. It's a fun team to be a part of. And, and this is the same Booker. And I talked to him about this. I haven't written down his entire quote yet, but I will uh, for an article tomorrow. Um, uh, Booker. Oh, yeah, that's an awesome. That's an awesome celebration there. You're, you're sharing. Um, Booker uh, did talk about Kelly Oubre and all that. Um, it's just really, it's, it's really fun. But I asked him, look, you've had to do all these post game pressers and, and talk about close losses. And, and you've had to say at least three times in the past two years, 
look, it's been really hard to win here. We're just trying to get this right. We're just trying to get in the right mindset and the right atmosphere. And they're finally doing it. And this is really important for this team to be 3-0 and in the bubble. I know it's just three games, but it's huge for this team to see this success with the guys that got brought into the bubble with them. So they can, and Monty has said this the other day, they've done years worth of team building in just this couple months in the bubble because they're 24 seven with each other. It's like being away at summer camp. Uh, it's just so fun. And these guys really are on each other's side. Yeah. Watching the celebrations just gets me all hyped up again. I, uh, I could just, I could just sit there and watch that. I love, I love that. Uh, Darth in the chat as well. Uh, yeah. And the bubble is promoting a team first attitude and fortifying the culture, which is ideal for a young team. Now, I yeah. totally agree. And Buck Dog in all caps, I think uh, he's been typing in that the entire time in the chat says positive vibes in Suns Nation right now. Loving it. And yeah. it's so true. I mean, I, I, I don't remember a time where three straight shows we got to come on and actually be genuinely excited for Wait, what we were. Hold on. This is their when's the, when's the last winning time streak of the season. Yeah, when's the last time the Suns won three games in a row, honestly? Uh, it's actually technically four, didn't they? Uh, I don't know. No, maybe it's yeah. only three. Let's just be honest. It was probably before we started doing this show, and that's right. I, th- I think I think it was, man. I think it was. I don't <laughs> think we've won three straight since we started this podcast three years ago. Um, technically, they they did. They won three straight at the beginning of the year when they started five and two, but it was such a uh, a uh, we only did shows once a week, so I don't think we have done three straight wins like this. Oh ever. no, we, we that's why it feels we certainly, we certainly haven't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't done well. They've always lost by the time we record. <laughs> that is, there's a hundred percent chance of that. We're finally putting forth effort is what we're so, saying. <laughs> what's, what's really anybody that's been listening to this uh, podcast or YouTube show now, whatever, for a long time, head on over to our Facebook. We posted a link of our very first episode and, uh, in that episode we were, there was a lot of Alex Lynn and, um, <laughs> Uh, Eric Bledsoe. Counting uh, on P- these, there's the core. PJ Tucker. There was a lot of PJ Tucker talk. <laughs> and that, what else did we have to talk about? This is the first time know, we've had that's good Stockholm syndrome, man. <laughs> wow, that was fun, man. So, so the next game coming up on Thursday. Uh, I'm chalking it up as a win. I think there's there's little to no chance that they could win three of God. these games. Hi, Scar. Uh, win three of these games and then not and not. Uh, Okay. Well, now every game matters. It's so fun because, and they showed today, they could easily have lost this game today. Easily. And uh, they didn't because, man, Kawhi Leonard went all MVP on us. You know, he'd scored four straight times. Uh, they kept tying the game up and the Suns didn't panic. So with this, with the Suns not panicking today, not folding, like the Mavericks helped the Suns the other night by folding on their own. And the Suns just had to clamp down their, 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 you know, the squeeze a little harder today. The Clippers did not fold. It was the Suns that won this game. That is the biggest development for this team in a very long time. So you're right, Tim. I, th- I think they're going to finish six and two uh, at least now. I th- I was hoping for four and four. I, I remember I was like four and four. I'm happy with that. Five and three would be ecstatic. Now I think they can go even better. And I really do think they at least get into the plan. I'm calling it now. Wow. I don't ever oh. want to hear Dave say squeeze a little bit harder again. Just squeeze a little bit harder. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> you know, I, sorry, go ahead, Craig. 
to say, I, I love the optimism from both of you. And it's nice to actually be able to feel that way uh, going into this. And, you know, win or lose on Thursday, this was a huge statement game. And I think it gives them the confidence to continue to play and play hard throughout these eight games and try to find a way to close that one game gap between them and the ninth seed right now. And with the way Memphis is playing, who knows how this could play out. I mean, you could wind up having a Portland Phoenix play in rather than Memphis being involved if they keep uh that's true especially they lost um uh, I know it's come up in the chat a ton but for people just listening to this as a pod Jaron Jackson Jr. on Tuesday tours uh as meniscus and so he is out Memphis is gonna have a hard time they're already 0-3 uh I don't know what happened in today's game but man they're they're having a tough finish and so it is you're right Greg it is possible in fact you know what would be worse though than what you just said Greg would be the Suns having to play San Antonio for the play? No, <laughs> I love it. Bring it. Let's take on the old demons. Oh if, God, those if, guys are no. Come on. If you're uh, gonna make the run, exercise the demons of the past. Uh, Go all at it. Jesus, right? that's, that's just buy. Uh, they're the Walking Dead. Look, if, there's, if there's ever a time for craziness and unexpected oh, to happen, man. it's when we're playing basically playoff basketball in August because of a global pandemic and economic crisis and civil unrest. If there's ever going to be a time the Suns do something completely insane uh, and shock <laughs> people, it's right now. So let's just buy in and have fun with it. All right. We're my all- parting comment. My parting comment is going to be, I really want Zach Lowe to be a, do a big Mia culpa. He's already kind of turned around on the Suns. He's got to write his article this week for Friday. He spent a lot of time when the, when the, when the, field went to 22 teams just railing on why are the suns even there there's no point the suns being there blah 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 this is ridiculous he spent he needs to spend at least as much time mia culping on his podcast and or article or both hey there's a lot of people that need to get in that line because a lot of people yeah but zach's the only one who's going to really do it so no zach is high quality like that he's yeah certain- high quality uh, you know, I think that's probably what we got. We got about an hour. We, we're about an hour in, Tim. So if you want to end yeah. this thing so you can go to bed since it's like God knows how late in, in <laughs> it's a whopping it's a whopping at eight o'clock. Uh, so age, that's like three hours past bedtime. So, you know. uh, thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in um, to the postgame show. We are going to do this again on Thursday just after the Pacers game as well. So for myself, Greg Esposito, Dave King, thanks for joining and we'll see you again on Thursday. Thank you.